Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has a food. very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stack in the Box. I am Matt Verderam, joined by Michelle Bruton, who is in for Josh Hill this week. Of course, you'll remember Michelle from when she filled in for me for about a month straight. So we have a lot to get to. We'll jump right in. We have week one of the preseason, which is finally here. It starts on Thursday. And, of course, there's Hall of Fame fallout. There's this Khalil Mack story that's starting to really gain some legs as to whether or not he'll be traded. He's still holding out from the Oakland Raiders. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But for now, let's jump right into week one of the preseason. We already had the Hall of Fame game between the Bears and the Ravens, but now we'll see all 32 teams. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to for this week of, of action? So I think the number one thing probably has to be Andrew Luck and how he looks in his first action since January 2017. And he spoke to Peter King for his Monday column this week, and he told him he was, quote, very nervous to suit up again. And honestly, I, yeah, I would be nervous too. I mean, it's, it's a really, it's a really um, hard thing to overcome. And I know that I think last year there were those reports that Jim say had said that the injury was more in Luck's head than anywhere else, which was outrageous. And I think, you know, obviously then that was short-sighted at best, you know, uh, derogatory at worst but I think in this you know in the here and now with him being back in football shape I do think it's it's a matter of whether luck can presumably you know he's he's physically good to go but can he get over the mental aspect of this injury yeah and look, luck hasn't played in a game at all in any game since week 17 of the 2016 season it's a long time. I don't care how long he's played football for. He's going to be rusty. He's going to have to get back in the swing of things. Frank Reich has talked about, we're going to have to play him a little bit more than we normally would. And in my column on Monday, the Stack in the Box written version, I talked about, I think that they're making an error by playing him for an extended amount of time in the preseason because you're just risking him getting hurt. And him saying that he's nervous about getting in there is not making me feel any better if I am Frank Reich or if I am a Colts fan. I understand the, the anxiety if, if I'm luck, but at the same point, is he nervous because he just has to knock some rust off, or is he nervous because he's looking at his offensive line <laughs> and thinking, okay, Anthony Costanzo, my left tackle's hurt. Quentin Nelson should be great, but he's a rookie. And the three other guys, pretty nondescript. I agree with you, though. To me, luck is the story of the preseason. He has to show that arm, that it's okay, <laughs> that he can take a hit. Those are all things that, until he proves it, you have to wonder how real it is, how, how much he can bounce back from what is a very, very serious surgery for any athlete, let alone a quarterback. 
Right. And, and can he get over the mental aspect to the point where he can play football at the level that he expects himself to and that we expect him to? Can he step up into the pocket with confidence? Can he shake defenders? Can he keep plays alive? Or is he going to be apt to sort of kill the play early on because there's that nagging fear of going down on that shoulder again? And, you know, to, to build off of that, too, he's in a rough spot for two reasons. One, their roster is just not good. They are a rebuilding team. And if we're being realistic about the Colts, they're probably a team that's going to be a bottom half of the AFC type of franchise right now. They don't have a lot of talent defensively. Offensively, it's Andrew Luck, it's T.Y. Hilton, maybe a little Marlon Mack in the backfield. And what else do you have? You know, Jack Doyle's a decent tight end, but they're limited. And they have a first-year head coach. I mean, the Colts are a team that's looking toward the future, not toward right now. But the other part of this with Luck and the factors into that as well is he has to carry them if they're going to be competitive at all. It's not like he's going into a situation where, okay, he can be you know good and they can win 10 games. He's not going to Minnesota. He's not going to a Philadelphia. He's not even going to a situation like Cincinnati or where you say, well, there may be a marginal team, but if he just kind of keeps the chains moving, they can win some games. If luck isn't brilliant and brilliant right away, they're going to lose a majority of their football games. Right. I think another thing that I'm looking towards, and of course I always say this, but anybody who listens to this knows who I root for and eventually (laughs) die with. Um, The Chiefs are playing the Texans on Thursday night. Jamie's Log, Progressive, the Harrington's Backyard, Day 4, 2.18 a.m. I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp, but I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. It's an arrowhead, and I'm very interested in this for a few reasons. Number one, presumably we're going to see Deshaun Watson, first time since he tore his ACL. Right. And we're going to see Patrick Mahomes, who's going to play the whole first quarter. And so these are two guys who were picked... Uh, I believe it was three spots apart. Number 10 uh, was Mahomes overall back uh, two years ago. And then Watson came number 12. Uh, the Texans traded up, of course, with the Browns, which he straight up the Bills. But I'm very interested to see these two quarterbacks. We've heard a ton about Mahomes, both locally and nationally, about how good he's going to be, how great he's looked. Uh, there have been some reports he's thrown a lot of picks in camp, but I tend to not worry that much about that. You're a Packers fan. We've heard that about Aaron Rodgers all <laughs> camp. Camp is the time to throw I, picks. I, I, to me, exactly. I don't care if he throws a lot of picks or if he throws none. It doesn't matter. But I'm very interested to see those two quarterbacks go head-to-head. Even though it's preseason, mm-hmm. both guys have something to prove. One coming off of a torn ACL, which is the second one since he's been to Clemson. And the other guy only has one career start and has a ton of expectations. Right, and Mahomes all of a sudden, Watson has set the bar high because, you know, last year his was one of those rare injuries where not only his teammates and sort of the local Houston media, but kind of the entire NFL world was just, to put it, you know, sort of uh, lightly, really bummed about his injury because he had been playing so well and looking so great. And it was just, it let it took the wind out of everyone's sails when he went down. So I think... You know, on a national level, people are really excited to see him return and see if he can build on that. And then for Mahomes, you know, is this someone who can play at that same level, who can kind of earn his own respect in that regard? And, uh, you know, I know you're you're a bit of a Mahomes stan, if I... (laughs) 
Yeah, look, I I really liked Mahomes before the Chiefs even took him. Yeah. Um, I thought he and Watson were the two best quarterbacks in the class. And if you want to check that, go ahead. I wrote it a million times. <laughs> on Sided. He's got receipts. Um, I do. And so I, I really liked watching Mahomes. I thought they were pretty close coming out of college. Different styles of player. But I thought that they would both be successful in the NFL. And so when the Chiefs took him, a team that I've watched Steve Bono start for, and Elvis Gerback, and Matt Castle, and Damon Heward, <laughs> and Brody Croyle, and Tyler Palco, I was thrilled that the Chiefs just finally <laughs> took a shot. And I was also happy to see the Houston took a shot because Houston's been a team, much like the Chiefs really, for years that's had a pretty good roster. But they've never had that quarterback who you felt could get them over the top. And so you mentioned last year, Watson started six games. He played a majority of seven. Completed 61.8% of his throws, 1,700 yards, 19 touchdowns, eight picks. Picks are a little high, but if you throw 40 touchdowns, I don't think anybody's going to care. Right. So to me, look, the AFC is changing. Brady turned 41 years old last week. And I know he's still great and he's Brady and everything else, but he's still 41. Okay. The Steelers are an older team. Mm -hmm. Le'Veon Bell, probably one more year there and he's gone. There's a lot of uncertainty with the Raiders. The Chargers are good, but of course, Will Rivers, 36 years old. Watson and Mahomes reached 22 years old. They're the future. And you look at the rosters, both those teams have a ton of under 25 talent. I'm very curious to see if those are two of the teams moving forward that really define the AFC, maybe along with Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, maybe the Jets with Sam Darnold. Um, you know, teams rise and fall every year, but I am just very fascinated to see how these two quarterbacks play out throughout the year. Yeah, I think it's it's still new enough to me where as someone who, you know, has, has watched the NFL closely for about two decades of my life, I can't fathom that we're in this time where you almost pencil in a slot for the Texans in every playoff. And it's it's bizarre to me that that's where we're at, but very well could be that in the coming years they are, you know, one of the teams that gets in every single year. And in some ways I think that's exciting because while the NFC gives us great parity, I think the AFC has always been really top heavy and it'll be really nice to see the balance of power redistribute a little bit in that conference. You're right. And really the AFC's been like that for a long time. Uh, you know, you do want to talk about the Pats and the Colts and the Steelers. Those teams have been good for 15 years. Right. You know, obviously the Colts have dipped recently, but those teams have been the cream of the crop. The Ravens always seem to be in the mix. You can even go back to the 90s. The Bills were dominant for the first half of the decade and then Denver for a while. And, you know, so you're right. The NFC has a lot more depth to it. You mm -hmm. could make a case for nine or 10 teams being really good in the NFC this year. You look at the AFC, <laughs> you could make, like, I don't know that I'd make a case. I think any team's going to be great in the AFC, <laughs> but I also could make a case that the AFC playoffs going to be wildly entertaining because you could have <laughs> Watson and Mahomes and Roethlisberger and, and Rivers and Brady that could be very interesting. Yeah. You have the new guard, the old guard. Right. Um, you know, maybe Mariota's in there. Mm -hmm. You know, another young kid. Right. So, you know, Bortles. Bortles. I don't, <laughs> I, which, again, like it speaks to it. Though. Like the AFC is so crazy that Bortles is like a legitimate threat to go to the Super Bowl. Right. I, I think right. they're going to regress hard. I, I don't mean to kill any fans out in Duval with that. But <laughs> here, here's, and I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but here's my quick thoughts on Jacksonville for anybody who wants to parse this out everything went right for them last year mm -hmm. everything luck got hurt didn't play at all watson got hurt they didn't have to play him at all right the titans the only team they played that was had any health whatsoever in that division they lost both games now. right they played a last place schedule and they still went 10 and 6 and nobody got hurt on that defense right 
It's the NFL. Odds are somebody's going to get hurt on that defense this year. Luck is probably going to stay healthier. Watson hopefully stays healthier. Now you're playing a first-place schedule. Now you get New England. Now you get Pittsburgh, who they did beat twice last year, to be fair. Right. Now you get Kansas City and Arrowhead. Like, to me, do I think Jacksonville is going to go back to being, like, 4-12 and Jacksonville? No. Do I think Jacksonville is going to be, like, 7-9 and Jacksonville? Probably. Because <laughs> I, I don't trust Bortles. Right, right. I just look at him, and, like, all those quarterbacks we just talked about are all significantly better. And I know Mahomes has played one game. I will bet my life that Mahomes <laughs> is a better quarterback than Bortles. So... I think the AFC is fascinating. I really, yeah. Even Denver, kind of. Keenum, you know, they, they have the new blood there. So, By the way, he's another one I'm curious to see in the preseason. Yes. How that's meshing. Everybody's talking about their second-round pick, Cortland Sutton, who's out of SMU. Uh, he's been fantastic in camp, the receiver. So that whole division. I mean, I think we also have to mention, it kind of segues in, but the Raiders. Yes. I am fascinated to see what happens with them for the preseason and beyond. Right. But I am... Very curious. Do they come out with like a three full back set? Like what happens? I I, I need to know. Will they sign a running back under 30 years of age? Oh, Stay God. tuned. So to, to wrap up on this segment, what other things are you excited about for week one of the preseason? So as you and I were talking about at our desks offline before we started recording this podcast, we realized that the Browns and the Giants play each other in the first week of the preseason. And as we know, they have the number one and number two picks and you know, for Saquon Barkley and the Giants, hopefully this is just the beginning of a very prosperous year for him in New York. Um, but as we talked about a little bit, for Baker Mayfield and the Browns, you know, we'd like to get a good, hard look at him in the preseason. But hopefully, if the Browns are smart, that's the only look at him we get this year. I don't want to see him in the regular season. That would be a failure on their part, I think. But I do want to see how he's looking, if he's been able to internalize the playbook, if he looks confident, if he has, you know, chemistry with his team. Um, That'll be really, just that game in general, I think, will be, you know, you don't want to say any preseason game is a must-watch game. But I think that'll be, you know, a really, really exciting game. To, to watch those two future potential superstars. Yeah, uh, look, you know, it's not often in the preseason you get the first overall pick or against the second overall pick. Uh, obviously, you know, both offensive players don't want to show the field. But I, first of all, I agree with you. If Mayfield, <laughs> if, if the Browns lose the first two games of the year, which are, by the way, against Pittsburgh and New Orleans, so they're going to, okay, if they lose those games and Hugh Jackson panics and puts Baker Mayfield, then he should be fired before he can do any harm. Yeah. Like, they, they need to play Tyrod Taylor in my opinion, for at the bare minimum the first half of the season. If they're 1-7 and seven and Baker looks great in practice, fine. But if they trot him out there like they did last year to Sean Kaiser right. and they just yo-yo him throughout the season, that is a disaster. You cannot do that if you're Cleveland. They've done this over and over and over. Right. And if you look at their first-round picks, they've been a disaster. And we saw this week, Corey Coleman, mm-hmm. former uh, Baylor star, first-round pick of two years ago, <laughs> got traded to the Bills for a seventh-round pick. Right. I, you're never going to win in the NFL doing that, right. ever. They just need to have some patience and yeah. play the long game, which so, has never been their strong suit. No, it is not. Nothing's been their strong <laughs> suit, except for an aptitude. But, yes, I agree with you. I'm really looking forward to seeing Baker Mayfield against what is a pretty decent Giants defense. Um, and I'm, I'm very interested in seeing Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, to me, the most interesting running back to come out in college, maybe since Adrian Peterson. I'm really fascinated to watch him. Right, and we've we've heard reports out of training camp that he's actually been catching the ball quite a bit as well, which is really exciting because, you know, anyone who's taken a look at the guy knows that he's a hard-nosed runner. But if he's out there and he's contributing 
you know, from the backfield catching passes as well. I mean, who's going to be able to stop this guy is my question. No, and, and the Giants have so many other pieces too you have to cover. Like, I think the Giants are going to bounce back pretty good this year. I really do. I would not be surprised if the Giants make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I, it, I think the whole key with the Giants, obviously, are in health, which is a key for all 32 teams, is Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. Is Eli Manning. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Ted, wake up. What? You look exactly like me. I am you, Ted, from the future. You need to call Progressive. What? Why? Well, they have 24-7 protection when you bundle your home and auto, and my teleportation cube just smashed into your car. Wait, you crashed into my car? Technically, it's our car. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Good Eli Manning or Eli Manning 28 interceptions Eli Manning. Right. To me, that's the difference. But I agree with you, and I know one thing you want to get to so we can touch on it. Uh, the Packers, they start, of course, like every other team except for Chicago and Baltimore this week. Mm-hmm. And they've had a little bit of injury woes early on. Jake Ryan, a, a, a budding I don't want to say star, but a, a really buddy contributor for them towards right. ACLs after the year, uh, linebacker. But they also have some injury concerns. Brian Balaga came off the pup list. Hopefully he's 100% ready to go at right tackle. And David Bakhtiari, uh, he got hurt in right. camp. And so those are your two tackles. Those are your two best offensive linemen. Aaron Rodgers is 34 years old. Right. That, that's worth watching as we yes, go into the preseason. very much so. And I think, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I think there are a lot of things the Packers can do to mitigate that situation. The first thing is that they, pay, they play in base so, you know, seldomly that it's not, I think, as big a problem as you might think, especially they've got Blake Martinez as a stud inside linebacker. Clay Matthews has some experience playing it inside linebacker. So the defense, I think, will be okay. They've got a really strong defensive line that can kind of pick up some of the slack but yeah you know unfortunately it feels like around this time every year if not early on in the season the Packers offensive line becomes a headline when it shouldn't be it should be you should hear nothing about that offensive line which means it's doing its job and unfortunately it's always in the news for the wrong reasons because it's you know giving up too many sacks or most frequently the players are getting injured so David Bakhtiari, you know, the most recent news is that no one seems to think this is a super serious injury, but it is an ankle. So, you know, not super serious might mean that he doesn't need surgery, but if he misses any time, that's a problem. Because I think we all know that in such a stacked NFC um, and with the Vikings, you know, probably breathing down their necks for first place in the division, the Packers are going to need to come out hot, which actually hasn't been their strong suit in recent years. So, except for that one year that they started off undefeated and then your Chiefs came along. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kyle Orton won that game for the Chiefs. That game was an abomination. Yeah. And then, of course, because of that, the Chiefs said, oh, we'll keep Romeo Cornell and 2-14. and 14 Right. And, you know, this is, this is the reason that the Packers went ahead and traded up to take Jason Spriggs a couple of years ago. They've got, theoretically, a starting caliber tackle waiting in the wings. But, you know, given how much is on the line and, and given how – People are getting a little bit freaked out about Aaron Rodgers' window. I think it's you have to think of this season as Super Bowl or bust, and you really would like Bakhtiari and Bulaga in for that ride. For the first time in a long time, at least for someone who's not a Packers fan, although I did go through Green Bay last week and enjoyed it. It's quite <laughs> nice. Um, for someone who's not a Packers fan, just you know, tries to pay attention to all teams equally, I feel like the Packers are very under the radar this year. Everybody's talking about Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Everybody, of course, is talking about Philadelphia, and rightfully so. Everybody's talking about the Rams. Right. People are talking about the 49ers. Right. Look, I respect the 49ers. They went 6-10 last year. Right. Calm down a little bit on the 49ers. Right. 
And even with the Ingram suspension, the Saints too. I mean, yeah. with Kamara, like they've been yeah. a really big favorite. You know, and, and the Packers, it's like everybody forgets. Look, I, I don't think the Packers, to be blunt, have as strong of a roster as some of those teams, but they have Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at their schedule, and this is the six games they play before <laughs> the bye week. Home to the Bears, home to Minnesota, at Washington, home to the Bills, at Detroit, home to San Francisco. I can make a very compelling case for 6-0 and at the bye week. Okay, even if they lose one of those games, say they lose maybe at Washington or at Detroit or something, they could be five and one. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, and I think look as good as Minnesota is, and I think Minnesota top to bottom along with the Saints to me they're like my two favorite rosters in the NFL. Mm-hmm. If you said to me, you have to bet your life who's going to win that division, I would probably pick the Packers because of Rodgers. Right, if he's healthy. They're going to win a lot of games. And I don't know what Kirk Cousins is going to do on a good team because Kirk Cousins has never been on a really good team. <laughs> he's never been in the spotlight. He's played on a Redskins team that his entire career has got 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. He's never been any pressure. Well, now you're going to play in a lot of pressure. And I'm very curious to see how this happens. I think the Vikings are the team with the better roster. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if they win the division. In fact, probably frankly, I'll probably pick them too. But... My gut says to me, Rodgers will go out and he'll throw for 400 yards against him twice and we'll be sitting here and going, geez, you know, Minnesota, all that talent. They couldn't even win the division. And they'll end up the five seed and they'll be on the road in the first round of the playoffs. But we'll see what happens. But I agree, those tackles are they got to stay healthy. If they don't stay healthy, it's a freeway. Right. And obviously, without Rodgers, we saw it happen last year. (laughs) Never need to speak of it again. Yeah, yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, So... Now, speaking of Green Bay, and I'll tie this in in a second, but one of the stories that is emerging this week that if it comes to fruition, I don't want to say I'd be shocked, I'd be surprised, but I also was the person who's there is no way the Chiefs are trading Marcus Peters, right. and like an hour later it happened. The Raiders uh, beat writer, Paul Gutierrez over at ESPN.com, does a great job there, said, uh, or I should say wrote, that he thought Khalil Mack is on the block that it, it was it's possible that Khalil Mack could get traded, which mm-hmm. seems just insane to me on so many levels. But the Raiders are having a stalemate with him. Contract negotiations have broken down. Really, they haven't gone anywhere to begin with. And now Mack, who is a defensive player of the year, mm-hmm. award winner, an All Pro at two different positions finds himself in a very sticky situation that might end up with his exodus from Oakland. And the reason this ties in with the Packers, uh, and I'll let you go into it, but the Packers might be the team that has the most, from a ammunition standpoint and a just a reasoning standpoint, to go out and get him. Absolutely. I mean, you think about adding him to that defensive line rotation, especially we're talking about that they might have a bit of a deficiency at the linebacker group now. And that is, I mean, you've got McDaniels, you've got... You know, you've even got guys who are who are on the up and up, um, and then adding him in, it would give you one of you know a, a defensive end group that could rival the Rams, I think for sure. Um, and the reason that the Packers are coming up in our conversation about this is that you know we don't think of them as a team that makes these kinds of high profile acquisitions. You know, maybe under Ted Thompson, but now Brian Gutekunst is running the show, and guess what? A to start. Gutekunst and Reggie McKenzie are very close. So that there's already a natural pathway for discussion there. The Packers are also the only team in the NFL with two first rounders in 2019, because you remember they got the Saints this year in the draft. 
And that could end up being one of the best things. That could end up being a franchise-defining trade that they made if, if they're able to actually get Mac. Um, because as we know, you know, if this really happens, it's going to be a feeding frenzy. It'll be a free-for-all. And basically, it'll be open bidding. And if so, if teams are sort of having to offer their best offers, whether that's double first-rounders, whatever, the Packers have a little extra ammunition there. Um, the other thing too is, you know, the Packers have some pretty high cost contracts coming off the books in the coming years. Matthews and Randall Cobb both have contracts expiring soon. So while the Packers aren't flush with cap space at the moment, they very well could be in the coming years. And so it's not impossible to imagine that they'll be able to pay Aaron Rodgers, but also pay someone like Cleo Mack. Yeah. Mack is in my opinion, one of the five best players in the league defensively. You know, this is somebody who a couple of years ago in 2016 was a defensive player of the year. He made the all-pro team as a defensive end and as an outside linebacker <laughs> in the same year. It's the only time it's ever happened in NFL history. He's 27 years old, and he has played on a dumpster fire of defense <laughs> his entire career. Okay, this is a guy that has played – on the Raiders with Bruce Irvin opposite him. And Bruce Irvin's the best player he's probably played with on that side of the ball. He has 40 and a half career sacks to this point. I don't understand if you're the Raiders how you don't pay him. It makes no sense to me. Right. Like, it, he, if he is not on the field for them defensively, they will not stop anybody. You can make a very good case that they are the absolute worst defense in the NFL if he's not on the field. Because, look, look at it from this standpoint. If you are going against the Raiders in a game, and you're an offensive coordinator, where do you start? You start with Khalil Mack. Right. Like, how do we stop him? How right. do, do we chip him? Do we double him? Do we believe we can stop him somehow one-on-one? Everything revolves around him. Everything. And if you go into a game and Khalil Mack's not there, you're saying, okay, how do we stop Bruce Irvin? <laughs> like, Bruce Irvin's never had double-digit sacks in a season. Who cares? You'll figure right. out a way to stop Bruce Irvin. So... You know, I can't imagine that they would trade him, but John Gruden, it has been such a weird offseason with John Gruden. Who he knows? do anything. I don't like I don't know. I don't know. Does he just feel like Khalil Mack's not worth the money, not worth the time? They're gonna move him. I mean, the guy's never been a, a distraction on or off the field. Right. He's, He's certainly not one of his guys. I, yeah, I mean I just to me, by the way, if they trade him, then that tells me Reggie McKenzie's nothing more than a hood ornament. Yeah. Because Reggie McKenzie drafted him. And right. if they trade him, then that means to me that they might as well just move on from McKenzie and that Gruden's running the show. Gruden's right. So I Well and we even saw, you know, recently Gruden made those weird comments. You might say which ones. The ones I'm speaking of are when he told NFL Network they were talking about this and he was like, Well, you know, the defense wasn't even that good with Mac on the field. Which is like I don't know what he's trying to accomplish with a comment like that, except to maybe, you know, take a little bit of the bargaining power back in his court. But what is the point of publicly poking the bear in that way? I mean, my argument to that would be like the Chiefs finished twenty eighth in the league <laughs> defensively last year. I could say, Yeah, well, you know, Justin Houston didn't help him finish better than that. Yeah, they would have been thirty second right. if they didn't have Justin Houston. Like, right. It, that's such a dumb argument. From someone who ought to know better. Right. But that's also the same person who at the Combine said he wants to play NFL football like it's 1997. <laughs> Good luck, John. Right. I, I don't know what they're doing. This is akin to if a couple of years ago when he was at the height of his game before he got hurt, if Houston just said, ah, we're not paying J.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. We're going to trade him. Right. We're going to trade him because, you know, we only went 8-8 eight and eight with him. So we're just going to get rid of him. <laughs> it's, it's so absurd. This is a guy who's on a Hall of Fame level. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, this is a guy who, if he hits the market, 
there are going to be multiple teams offering a couple of first-round picks. And that should tell you all you need to know about his value. Right. If, if that's the case, if a half dozen, a dozen teams called up and said, we will give you two first-round picks for a defensive player, he's probably pretty good. Right. Maybe you ought to hold on to him. It's, it's shocking to me this is even a conversation. The other consideration to me, if I put on my general ma- manager hat for a second, is that, so, you know, with the fifth-year option, he can make $13.5 million, and then they'd have to extend him beyond that. And I guess they always have the option to just franchise tag him into oblivion in 2019 and 2020. Yeah. But as we know, the franchise tag is a composite of all the top contracts at that position. And if Aaron Donald gets the contract he wants and kind of resets the market, the Raiders could actually end up forcing themselves to pay more real cash than if they would just give him a deal now and structure it however they want to with bonuses, with you know things like that. So if they're smart, they can control at least how they allocate the money, how they allocate the cap hit. If they try to do the franchise tag, it's going to cost them an enormous amount of money. Well, and that's the thing. People always say, your fans always say, well, they can just tag him. Okay, yeah, they can just tag him. But now, instead, you know, a lot of times, if you see a contract that's five years and $50 million, the guy is not getting paid $10 million each year. Right. A lot of times, a lot of the money's backloaded, okay? The only thing that matters are guarantees. Right. That's it. Anything else is window dressing in the NFL. So let's say it's a five-year, now he would get way more than this, but just as an example. Five years, $50 million, $30 million guaranteed. A lot of times that's really a three-year, $30 million deal. Right. Okay? And then the, the last two years are $10 million, $10 million, and the teams will either restructure or cut or extend or whatever. But right. you never see those years the way they're normally uh, dragged out through the contract. So with Mac, you bring up a good point. Like, yeah, the Raiders could tag him, mm-hmm. but then next year you're probably looking at something like $15 million dollars. And guess what? That's all guaranteed. Right. And that all counts against your cap. Right. And now if you sign him past that, okay, great. But you've already paid $15 million and it doesn't count toward his extension. Right. And so you have to pay more and more and more and more. Every agent is going to look at Mac's situation and say, okay, realistically, if he got tagged for the next two years, let's say he was going to make $30 million guaranteed. The agent will say, okay, well, that is the, the starting point. Mm-hmm. And then we got to go from there. Now, Mac is a kind of player he's probably going to get five to six years, close to $20 million a year. And you could say, well, it's worth it. It's not worth it. My argument is the Raiders are not good enough offensively to win 31 to 30 every week. Derek Carr has never thrown for 4,000 yards. Right. Marshawn Lynch is 80. Doug Martin averaged (laughs) 2.9 yards per game, or 2.9 yards per rush each of the last two years. Mm -hmm. For anyone who doesn't know, that is awful. Right. That's basically like taking one step forward and falling on your face. (laughs) That's with 2.9 yards per carry. So... They they need Mac, and then they need to surround him with better players. If they don't do that, and they trade him, I, I don't know how you can make any case for the Raiders not finishing dead last in that division. Mm-hmm. So the Packers are definitely a team to watch. I agree with you. They have two first-round picks next year. They're trying to win now. He's a generational talent. If I were the Packers, absolutely. Right. I would call them up. Like, yeah, you're going to have two first-round picks. That's great. Now we've got Jair Alexander and Josh mm-hmm. Jackson and HaHa Clinton Dix and Mike Daniels and Khalil Mack and Blake Martinez. That all of a sudden is a really good defense. Right. A really good defense. Right. Rodgers hasn't had since 2010. And by the way, when he had that, they won the Super Bowl. Right. So, and, and the Raiders, I'm sure, would love to get him out of the AFC. <laughs> well, I can't. Although with the Raiders, the way it's going, they'll trade him to the Broncos. <laughs> I, you know, uh, I don't know. The Cowboys could be another option too, maybe. They're always an option. Yeah. They're always, you know, right. J- Jerry's going to pick the phone up. <laughs> 
How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. <laughs> and, you know, God knows. Now, I don't know if they have the ammunition to do it, but they right. can try. But you're right. The Packers are very interesting to watch because mm-hmm. they have two first-round picks next year. Right. And so that's that's I don't know if any other team does. No, nope, they're the only one next say, year. I was yeah. just thinking, yeah. So that's a that's a huge leg up. That's a huge leg mm-hmm. up. Um, I would love to make the case just because it's funny that the Chiefs just go for broke. But not, <laughs> first of all, the Raiders are not doing it. Second of all, it, it, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, okay. Nice so, to dream. Yeah, it's always nice to dream, especially when Frank Zombo is still on the roster. Frank Zombo. Zombo. Uh, yeah, a former Packers. I remember. Yeah. 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 God, Frank Zombo. I've seen I've seen enough Frank Zombo watch me in a lifetime. <laughs> Um, but anywho, so uh, closing thoughts. We have week one coming up on Thursday, or the, or the preseason at least. Um, are there any, you know, we've talked about it obviously, but is there anything else, whether week one of the preseason or something else that just strikes you that you want to get into? So I think, I guess my, my closing thought and, and thinking about the preseason as a whole and about sort of which team has the most to prove this preseason or for which team the preseason is most important I'm going to say the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, they're at a point where, yeah, that division's really tough. If any division in the NFC is going to send three teams to the playoffs, it's probably going to be the NFC South. So the Bears don't really have a shot this year unless the Vikings or the Packers just completely implode. Um, But I think that there are so many interesting things to watch for the Bears this year. You know, obviously Matt Nagy coming in. How's the offense going to look under him? Is Mitch Trubisky going to make that second-year leap that we saw other young quarterbacks like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz make? Um, you know, he's he's gotten – I talked to Kyle Long a few weeks ago, and he was really complimentary, but of course he's going to be. So what's the real story? Yeah. You know, we need to see it with our own eyes. And speaking of Kyle Long, I think also Harry Highstand coming in um, from Notre Dame, who was with the Bears many, many years ago, that seems like a move that's really energized the offensive linemen as well. So if the offensive line looks good and Trubisky looks good, and we already know you've got Tariq Cohen and Shaheen and Hearns um, – Hearns or Robinson – did I uh, confuse Robinson. my Allens? Robin. Robin. I confused Her- my Her- Allens. Her- yes. Uh, Robinson. And um, all those offseason moves they made to kind of give Trubisky some weapons. You know, this could be, I mean, people I still think treat the Bears as a punchline, but this is a team that could easily go 9-7. and seven. I agree. I agree. And I, I think you're right. They're definitely one of the teams I look at in the preseason. It's got to show me something. I'll go to the other conference. I'll say the Titans. Mm-hmm. The Titans last year went 9-7, and seven, made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. Um, and then they, they lost in spectacular fashion in New England, but that was expected. To give them credit, they got there. But then they fired everybody. <laughs> right. Which tells me, though, that they think that that roster is better than that finish. Which, if I'm a Titans fan, I say, okay, well, that's great. I feel pretty good about that. And I think their offseason was really good. They picked up Malcolm Butler. They picked up Kenny Vaccaro, who replaces Jonathan Cipri mm-hmm. in the safety, who tore his ACL in camp. Uh, and then also they added Deion Lewis, who I think is a really underrated right. running back. So the Titans, I think, have a really good roster. My question with the Titans is on the center. What is Marcus Mariota? Because last year he threw more picks and touchdowns. Right. And he, he was bad. And I, every time I say this, I get Titans fans who inundate me <laughs> with tweets and emails. You don't know what you're talking about. Look, I watch the film. I watch every single NFL game, either in real time or in replay. Marcus Mariota played a little bit better than his stats showed, but he was not a top-tier quarterback last right. season. Now, Corey Davis, who was the fifth overall pick last year, he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Well, indications he's healthy. 
they need him to be healthy because that is one area on that team. They do not have a lot of playmakers deep down the field. They're kind of a slow plotting team at the receiver position. So they need Davis. But I like Mike Vrabel as a coach. Matt LaFleur coming in as the offensive coordinator from the Rams. If you listen to this podcast, Josh Hill should be LaFleur's agent. Mm-hmm. Talks about him every single week. And so I'm a fan of LaFleur's. I'm with Josh on that. I like Vrabel. I think they're really interesting. And everybody forgets about them in the AFC South because they, the, they look at the Texans and they look at Jacksonville and, of course, Luck's return. Uh, but I think the Titans, if Mariota can step up a little bit, if Vrabel does prove to be the right coach, I think they could be really intriguing. And to me, that's the kind of a team that needs the preseason because it's a whole new system. Mm-hmm. New coach, getting his feet wet. You brought in some additions. It's, Vicaro's a late addition. The Titans stand out to me as a team that really, not so much that they have to win games in the preseason, but just kind of get acclimated to what is now a new system and a lot of new faces. Right. I think that's fair. So before we go, uh, one thing we do have to mention, of course, is our great sponsors at Fanatics. And if you go to fansided.fanatics.com and put in the code FANSIDE, you get 20% off of shipping on your entire order, which should be a big order because they have a lot of great stuff from hats to T-shirts to jerseys. Anything you can think of that a fan would want, they've got. They do a great job. We really appreciate them hanging out with us. Uh, They make us look good. Uh, so literally, we've got about 8,000 <laughs> hats. We had the draft show. That we, had, we had hats like crazy. Um, so we, we appreciate them. And uh, we appreciate that football's back. Yes. Uh, I, I know the Hall of Fame game typically, you know, you say, well, that's the first game. Not really. That game is terrible. <laughs> we, you know, nobody starts. It's, it matters. Week one is where the action's at. Hopefully everybody stays healthy and we're not on here next week. Like, oh, four guys tore their ACLs. That unfortunately always seems to happen. So that all said, please go to iTunes. Subscribe to Stack in the Box if you haven't already. There's also now going to be on every Tuesday at 1130 uh, Central Time. Go to Facebook Live on the fan-sided Facebook page and you will see myself and Michelle and Josh Hill and Mark Carmen. Occasionally, Ashley Young will pop on. Uh, and, and so you'll have Stack in the Box, which is different than this. We, we give you a video version, an audio version, so please check it out. Uh, and so that is my PSA for the week. For Michelle Bruton, I am Matt Verderam. Enjoy football. It's finally back, kind of. And we will talk to you again next week. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.